The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and postpartisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. You know, in business, there is this concept of false urgency. And you know what? I think we've seen a bit of false urgency in the aftermath of the uh, protests, uh, protest marches, and sometimes riots that have followed the George Floyd murder in Minneapolis over the past several weeks. Um, And as a result, you have seen a rush to judgment on some police activity associated with the riots. We'll see how all of that plays out. Uh, The union president of the uh, New York City Police Department has gone on record saying, you are treating us like animals. And in, in the course of all of that, you are suddenly hearing things like, uh, the mayor de Blasio saying, "Oh, we're going to take a we're going to take a chunk of money away from the police." Um, you heard Eric Garcetti on uh, in Los Angeles on Sunday night say, "We're going to instead of a seven percent increase in my police budget, now I'm going to take 150 million dollars for social programs." For what social program? For with what plan? To what end? You know, that's what we call false urgency in, in the business world. You're in a crisis. And so you just throw something out there as though that's going to solve the crisis. Well, it's not. It's a lot deeper and a lot more complicated than that. You're listening to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I try to solve problems, not make them. And here to talk today to talk with us about false urgency and some real tough politics in the 2020 election cycle that are being driven by the tri- the three major threats to um, America at the moment, the pandemic, a failing economy, and racial justice is Karen Watson. Karen has been a guest on the show before, but we'll remind you that she's the founder and president of GOPbuzz.com, an internet portal for Republican-centric events nationwide. She's the author of three books, Jackass, The History of the Democratic Party and Their Abuse of America, how Democrats stole the black vote and how Republicans can win it back. Being black and Republican in the age of Obama. Now, Karen started as a high school student in 1984, attending her first Republican national convention. She's spoken at at least 250 events around the country. Her message is, that Republican conservative values are the right values for all Americans, regardless of their race or gender. 
She's been interviewed on numerous radio and television shows. She's a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin, where she majored in, in English and took a speech concentration in Russian. Someday we're going to have enough time on a podcast for her to explain that dichotomy. Before, politi before politics became her full-time job, Karen was vice president at the Bank of America, the, the number one mortgage loan officer in units and volume nationwide for four consecutive years. She's a columnist with Politichicks, I'm sorry, uh, and other national blogs and newspapers. And Karen, it's such a pleasure to have you again. Thank yes. you, thank you. My pleasure to be on your show, Joyce. I appreciate it. Well, you know, you're a political operative. So we're going to talk tonight a little bit about cold, hard politics, as I said, in the triple whammy of a pandemic, a failing economy, and racial relations in the United States, and the fact that all three of those separate crises fall disproportionately heavily on the black community. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Very it, true. Very true. It, yeah, so, so, you know, I think that is going to have an influence on uh -huh. the 2020 election, but we can't think about that election as just an election. Isn't it more an inflection point in terms of a lot of social and political um, and even health um, conditions in this country going forward into the rest of the third and the decade of the 21st century and in fact the rest of the century? Isn't this a point yeah. of inflection? It's, I mean, this has been the weirdest time. Everything, it's just kind of cattywampus. And everyone feels, I think, in a little weirdness, you know. It's like we're dealing with all of these huge problems all at once. The pandemic, which is real, but has affected Black Americans more than, you know, overrepresented in the illness and the death of COVID-19. Then you have, of course, the unemployment, which was brought upon because of the COVID-19 shutdown. And then you also have the issue of the police brutality in not just Minneapolis, but of course there with Mr. Floyd, but in so many other cities where we see that black people have been uh, disproportionately taken advantage of and abused by the police, you know, the police force. So, and it's just June. I mean, we haven't even got to the six month full <laughs> calendar of this year. So I don't know what we are gonna have for the rest of the year. I'm hoping things, I hope the end of 2020 looks very different than the beginning of 2020, because this is, been a lot to deal with all at once. Well, let's talk about that false urgency around defund the police. Yeah. That makes I mean, absolutely you're a, sense. You're, you're a political operative and you're a black woman. 
Okay. Yeah. When you hear that, when you hear that, what does it make you think? It made me think that they are once again using race to push a narrative that has not helpful to that that race. Just I think yesterday, Chicago had the worst day on record for murders in that city. And we need good police officers. So clearly we do need law and order, but we just need good police officers. And there's some amazing police officers out there. Remember, there are police officers who have willingly given their lives, who have willingly risked their life to protect another life. There's some amazing police officers. There's some police officers who have taken life unjustly, and that's not acceptable. So, you know, it's like the tale of two cities, you know. But one is completely unacceptable, but one needs to also be supported because there have been some amazing police officers that have done some amazing work. And thank God for those amazing police officers. So from... From a you know from working with congressional representatives, et cetera, um, in your line of work, doesn't it make more sense um, to talk about well you know let's talk about what what's the role of a police officer in terms of mm-hmm. maintaining the peace, et cetera, and and whether or not he's also got to, he or she also has to be a social worker and you know deal with homelessness and. Um, and medical emergencies, et cetera. And if you want really good people to do this really hard job and you're talking about raising the standards for being a cop, um, you know, I don't know what they are in Texas, but here in California, um, they have at least two years of college. Most of them have four, Um, Mm. which is not an excuse for the fact that some of them behave inappropriately. Um, Right, right. But but when we talk about defunding, don't we, if, if we want higher standards and we want um, uh, a more, um, a better trained police force, et cetera, don't we have to spend money on that? We have to spend money to get things done. I mean, we know that. And when they say defund, they don't even know what that means. And why in the world are all these people who have their own private security even giving ear to that that's absolutely ridiculous you we need law and <laughs> order they, it's because they have their own private security that's right uh, that's right we need law and order we need law and order and that is what we need now we don't need rogue cops that feel like they can take someone's life that's not what we need but we do need law and order and to pretend that we don't that i mean we that's what i'm saying it's a non-sequitur taking this horrific incident and and all the different layers of these horrific incidents but using it for something that has nothing to do with it getting rid of bad cops has nothing to do with defunding police departments and opening us up to even more crime. I mean, that, that's just a different level of insanity. And then what would you do with the money that you use to defund the cops? I mean, you know, what is that? Social programs. Social programs. Yeah. We, what does that we have mean? Enough, well, 
that means that the government will will be the parenti and loci. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen how the nanny state has worked in the shutdown. I don't know what it was like in California, but in Texas, we you could go to the liquor store, but you couldn't go to church. And I promise you, there were more people at the Walmarts and, and all these places than were in the parks that you couldn't go to. So you can go to a Walmart and you can go to to a grocery store, but you couldn't go to a park with open air. So, you know, the nanny state is not, they're not, the, it's not the shiniest penny. We've already seen that. And, and, you know, if you've experienced just this weird socialism that's happened in the last 90 days that we've had under COVID, you realize that just doesn't work. But, um, <laughs> so. Well, we, just, we're, we we've had it worse than you had it, but they did leave some of our parks open. The okay. liquor store was the liquor stores were closed for a while. Okay, okay. You still can't go to church, <laughs> you know. Uh, and and now and now the mayor of L.A. wants to take instead of increasing his police budget by seven percent, he wants to take one hundred and fifty million dollars of of what I just called uh, false urgency, and and we're going to use it for you know he's telling the ma the the protesters um, we're going to give you 150 for what tell me tell me how you're going to spend I have an idea on another podcast for how he could spend that 150 million dollars and and do it in a socially responsible way because I think there are things that the city that there there could be redistribution of money okay but but first you got to have a plan and first you, you have to first acknowledge that it's not their money to spend that's the taxpayers money they had this money that was given to them by the taxpayer the taxpayer needs to make the decision on what to do with the money see there's this false belief system with politicians that they think that we vote for them so they can rule over us. That's not, we, we don't vote for them to be rulers over us. We vote for them to represent us. We vote for them because they're supposed to be civil servants. They forget that because they don't want to serve and they don't want to be civil about it. But they don't have the, we don't have them lords over us. I don't know anybody in America that votes for the Lord mayor and the Lord County. I mean, that's not why we vote for them. They don't have those positions. And Lord knows they're not smarter than we are. They just represent us. They represent our well, interests. They take our money and they don't get to just go hog wild with it because they have some bright new idea. A lot of these I, things that they do need to go to a vote, but that's a whole other story and that'll be a whole other podcast. But there's been a huge power grab in this country and that needs to be released the power needs to be released back to the people because that's just so insane that you wouldn't have a police. To, the police department is defunded, but then send me back my money. You know, no one's talking, give, give me a refund for the money that they siphoned for the police. And the whole thing doesn't make sense in the first place, but well, just some you know, great idea. But, but there is, 
but but I think what what they're saying in their in their awkward panic, it's all look, it's all good, Luke. Um, the dog just looked at me like, "What's the matter, Mom?" <laughs> um, uh, Vince is going to take that out. Uh, the what they're trying with their with their uh, false urgency, what they're really trying to say, oh, we're going to take money away from the police, is that we're underspending on social services and overspending on policing. So, or, if, yeah, from your from your point of view, if we spent more on you know uh, housing and education and so forth, do you really believe that that would would that reduce the need for policing would would we be you know would we be able i do to believe that there are mental issues that there are that too often police departments are saddled with and that is not where they should be i do think that we have got to restructure some of that but how what what is the answer? And I don't think that they have come up with the answer to that. And just getting, you know, throwing the baby out with the bathwater is not an answer to the the problem. But you're but absolutely that, right. Well, but but when you aim that at the black community, are you saying that that's a form of redress for, you know, the racial problem we know we have, the systemic racial problem we know we have? Is that the answer or is the answer a combination of some of those things and some other things from within the black community? Defunding the police is not the answer for the black community. Getting good cops is the answer for the black community and making sure that those cops respect the people that they treat those people as citizens and treat them as, as you're serving them. And that's what that's what it's meant by a civil servant. You are a servant to the citizens of the community. That's what it means, just serving people. So that a new attitude needs to be shifted on that. So that's what that is. But again, the vast majority of police officers are not the way are, are not these evil men or women with guns who are looking to kill black people, that's not the vast majority. So painting that broad brush is completely ridiculous. There are things that need to happen. There are, you know, chokeholds, of course, that should not happen. There are ways we can come together without pretending that we've got to get rid of everything. And I haven't heard any credible black person echo that. I mean, that's coming from AOC. And I mean, my gosh, look at the way she's treated black people. She doesn't, I mean, she has no record on being, you know, taking care of black people in her district. And Lord knows there's plenty of them. So there are all these people who are, we don't need people to come to the rescue of black people. We need people to treat black people like they want to be treated. If you can start treating your neighbor as yourself, that's where we begin. And that will lead us to come up with the other solutions on how to deal with everything else. If we start treating people and not judging them by the color of their skin, but 
looking to the content of their character. I mean, my gosh, that's an echo from Martin Luther King Jr. Then we can be on the road to do what we need to do. So it's that basic. It's not defund the police. It's not hand billions of dollars that do not siphon down to the everyday man in the black community. They get not a nickel or dime from those social programs. And it's just utterly ridiculous. There is a program in Dallas where they came up with these things because they, there were these black communities that they called food deserts. So they said, well, we'll start a community farm. And I, I said, you know what? That already smells bad because we want to do a community farm so we can have, make sure that we don't have a food desert in the black community. Well, guess what they did? These hippy dippy people, yes, hippy dippy white people came up with this community farm. They didn't hire the black people in the community. They went out and hired some other white people, and they also got a grant to hire, uh, you know, ex-felons. It didn't do what they said they were going to do in the first place because 99% of the things they come up with these plans never end up being what they're supposed to be, and they still don't have fresh fruit and fresh vegetables in the black community in Dallas. That's the racism that we need to talk about and that we need to uncover and dig into. And the way, you know, there are most of the things that need to change. All right, so wouldn't the simpler solution, I'm laughing about we need to create a farm in the middle of Dallas. Um, Yeah. Wouldn't the simpler solution be, um, um, uh, I'm I'm, I'm like, um, I'm sorry, somebody just texted me and not once, but twice. So here, put the phone away, Joyce. All right, you're going to get that out. Vince, right? Um, wouldn't when you say that uh, they want to create a farm in the middle of Dallas? This is oh, like, it's true, and it's a big old scam. It's a huge scam, and yet you know, are they going to use the stockyards? Are they going to use the stockyards? No, no. I mean, it's it's just what? so crazy. It is just so crazy. All right. So wouldn't it be, um, um, we, we, I'm sorry, this thing's got to get turned over. Um, wouldn't it be simpler if the city of Dallas, if there's a food desert? And people need fruits and vegetables. And I think that's important because we both know that diet is a part of what causes the healthcare disparities. Um, wouldn't it be easier to bring uh, Safeway and yeah, I, you call it something else, I think, back there, but Safeway and, um, and one of its competitors into those areas, even if it requires a little bit of subsidy from the city of... of um, and let them and let and let them deal with the hiring etc because they do have a very diverse workforce or you could partner with black entrepreneurs and to create grocery stores and you could also reach out to the community and tell people how to grow their own fruits and vegetables i mean you could live in an apartment and still grow tomatoes you know there are all different kinds of venues and avenues that are a lot cheaper that really can reach and have an impact on the people than just putting some 
goats in the middle of the city and planting some seeds and still that food. Oh, but what they do with the produce that they grow, guess what? They sell it to high-end restaurants. Because that's the drama of liberalism. It pretends to care, but it doesn't. <laughs> but, you know, that whole thing with robbing Peter to pay Paul, Paul never gets paid. <laughs> I, I, I must say, I must say it is the most absurd thing that you have. I, I, I've never heard anything dead. quite that absurd to create a, a, because you have a food desert, you want to create yeah. a, 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 an urban garden. A community and farm, then, yeah. And then you, and then you sell the produce to high-end restaurants instead of it's to the people. It's a scam. It is a scam. And that, I guess, I mean, all of, no one's listening and people are just, like you said, they're reacting and they're stressed and they're just, they're like, okay. And they're getting involved in things that, that do not work and that are not for the people. So and when it's all said you, and done, they're in the same position. And that is, and that therein lies the rub. Yes. Um, and, and when you wrote the book, How Democrats Stole the Black Vote. Yeah. What's going to happen? What's going to happen in 2020 with the black vote? And, and how, how do you feel about situations like the one in Georgia this week with the primary that where the in the white parts of Atlanta, voting was very smooth with this brand new system that nobody ever bothered to use or acceptance test. And that's a pet peeve of mine in terms of systems in general. But um, I mean, it, do you view that in the same way that I do? It's kind of an obvious attempt to um, reduce the vote in the areas of Atlanta where you know, the Republican governor there would perceive a high Democratic turnout? I think that, I think that voting is sacred and a privilege. And I think that on both sides, we need to respect the rights of the voter, which I also mean that, yes, that means too that you need to make sure that when you go to vote, you have properly identified. If I have to go to the grocery store and buy a bottle of liquor or champagne or beer or whatever, I don't drink beer, but the whole thing is alcohol, I have to show an ID, okay? I have to show an ID to pay for something. You should not make voting just as easy as waking up and you just decide to vote. I think people should take voting seriously. They should study the candidates. They should make understand the process. There are people who vote who don't even understand what the position they're voting for. We have AOC who won her race and didn't even realize there are three branches of government. I mean, I think we need more of the schoolhouse rock <laughs> you know, shows that they used to have, you know, I'm a Bill sitting here on Capitol Hill, those little cartoons, at least uh -huh. half used of it. And so I think 
right now, people feel like if you can fog a mirror, you can vote. No, that's not the what voting is about. And I'm a black woman. So I take voting seriously. I think we should take voting very seriously. And I think we should realize it is a sacred thing. Now, does that mean that people try to suppress votes? Yes. Does that mean that people are trying to manipulate the voting? Yes. That went all, that's been going on for eons, and that should be taken seriously. And if you find people who have voted more than once, they should be in jail. Because that's how, that, there is a lady in Texas that voted seven times. Seven times. That's wrong. That is so wrong. That is not what voting is about. One man, one woman, one vote. Now, does that mean... Oh. And, you know, I think if you have to stand in line for five hours to vote, no, that might have not have been the best thing you want to do, but you're still voting. You still have the right to vote. I think people feel like voting should be like going through a McDonald's drive through And how come it's taking too long? You are voting. You, it, if it takes you all day, I'm not saying it should, but if it does, this is a privilege, and that needs to be respect it and I think a lot of the election judges don't know. I heard that they spent a hundred million dollars on those new voting machines. What kind of, I've I've been an election judge. There's not an those machines are not worth that that they paid for. So where's that money coming from? Coming from the taxpayer of course. So but no, I think there should be a way where people at least know Educate yourself on who you're voting for, why you're voting. Don't just get caught up in someone's whirlwind and be a good citizen by understanding what you're doing. And a lot of times people are voting and they don't even understand what's going on. When I was an election judge and for our uh, Super Tuesday, they... It was mayhem because people didn't know what to do. They didn't know how it went and they... So there's just a lot of mistakes happening because there's a lot of uneducated voters. And that oh, I think clogs the system. Yeah. Too many people vote on 30-second commercials. Yes. And, and we and, need to bring... There are, there are people on Twitter uh-huh. um, who I sometimes will uh, respond by saying, there, this is proof that we need a literacy test for voting. Not uh, not one based on color, but one based, uh, on, based on knowledge. But I mean, if you don't even know why, first, I think we should ask, well, why are you voting? Why? Just be educated about the process. And then if you're an educated voter and you are like, you know, this is what I believe, this is why I believe it, and I stand by it, because you could be manipulated and that's what's happening. People are, their votes are being manipulated by horrible politicians, and that should not be. But if you're, if you're like, this is the process, this is how it happens, then, um, you know, it'll be, we'll all be the better for it. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Because how can you, you know, it's crazy. We're in charge here. That's what's crazy about the process. We, you know who's in charge of all the politicians? Even the president? We the people. We, yes. you and I, we the people. We're in charge. Always, when people, yeah. So I always take like your, to say that 
Yeah, but that voting is a hiring and firing decision. Exactly. Exactly. And if you don't like when we had an issue with our horrific county judge and mayor in Dallas, I started telling people, well, then recall them. They're not gods, okay? They sink if they walk on water. If we don't like what's going on, and they're not smarter than we are, they're not, you know, they don't have some kind of special magic dust that we don't have. These are people who represent us. And if you're not being represented well, recall them. You can recall anybody, anybody. So stop in complaining and just say, you know what? You've crossed too many lines. We will get your behind out. And that's what we need to do. We are a citizen-ran government. But We're we not. have allowed these politicians to think that they are gods. And they're not gods. They're politicians, and um, they need and to be reminded that they're them. just politicians. Oh yeah, and we, oh yeah. We need to remind them we can hire. We hired them, and we can fire them. And on that yeah. note, on that <laughs> note, I'm going to say, Karen, this has been fabulous. You know what? We're going to do it again before election day, as things become a bit clearer. Um, I appreciate <laughs> your candor because. Um, I think we've all got to talk to each other in a candid, yeah. even if it's uncomfortable way. And and yeah. so I so appreciate your taking the time to join us at Reimagine America. And we're going to do this again before the election. We're going to have some more fun. And I love it. I, thank you. I, thank you. I, thank you. Thanks for listening to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. You can learn more at reimagineamerica.org. Got a comment or an idea for a future show? Email Joyce at reimagineamerica.org or find her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy or at Reimagine Radio. Take a minute now and go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you love the podcast, donate and tell others. You can invite Joyce to speak at your next meeting or conference through reimagineamerica.org. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at ricochet.com or c-sweetnetwork.com. That's c-sweetnetwork.com. Together, we really can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.